I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to KBBL. I am Artie <laughs> Pye. No, I'm not. I'm Gabrielle Hakohen. Uh, we are broadcasting live from Springfield. This is the Leaving Eden podcast, and we are your hosts. I'm Gavi. I'm Hi. here with Sadie. Hello, hello. It's me, Sadie Carpenter, and I am so excited for this episode. This is legitimately one of the I like we've had so many just like heavy topics lately and we've like even when we snarked on funding influencers we got into like heavy mental health stuff and, and, and like the world and- is kind of a heavy place right now there has there has been a lot going on for a very long time so I think it's really nice to program in a little bit of a break for us and our listeners to just have a fun time especially because the the end of this month the end of October is going to be more heavy stuff. What are we talking about today? We're talking about The Simpsons. So growing up IFB, I was absolutely not allowed to watch The Simpsons. I think part of it was probably the Sunday night airtime. But the primary reason that I remember not being allowed to watch The Simpsons was because Bart had a bad attitude and it would be a bad influence on us. So even if Bart did something that was bad and had like horrible consequences for everybody that was involved in that or like he pulls a prank and the prank goes horribly wrong and somebody gets hurt then that's that's they're not going to let you watch that right there's there's a whole belief in the IFB about things that have influence over you and if you even watch something or read about something that's a sin then you're going to be more likely to do that interesting yeah it all goes back to total depravity of man but I'll explain that another time because this is not a theology episode (laughs) 
It might become one. Who knows? This is uh, The Simpsons, and they do get into some deep philosophical no, stuff. No, Gavi, we are doing a light episode. <laughs> <laughs> we always say that at the beginning. We also always say that we're going to be under two hours. But <laughs> <laughs> that never You know, happens. once in a while, last week was under two hours. So what, what are we talking about? We, we've selected... Um, Several episodes of The Simpsons that deal heavily in religion, um, uh, going from, I think the first one that we've picked out is in season two, and the last one that we have picked out is all the way in season 16. So quite a range of the amount of time that these episodes have been going on. Um, I know that by saying, by like even acknowledging the existence of seasons past 10 i have horribly (laughs) angered all of the simpsons purists on the internet yeah but i honestly i advocate for all the way up to the end of season 14 really yeah that's my personal cut off cut off of like the the classic feel of simpsons episodes interesting okay that that is that is interesting to know yeah Um, so i'm a purist but i'm like the the most the most lenient Huh, okay, I I guess I can respect that. I don't know. I just let people like what they like. I um that too. I kinda, yeah. But before we get into that, I just need to say that the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about my BFF and co-host Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult. Um, we talk about this cult. We talk about other cults. We talk about religion. We talk about fundamentalism. We talk about the real and present threat that cults and cult ideologies pose to society as a whole. And it is our goal to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you like our show, if you're a fan of our show, there are several things that you can do to support this program. You can join our Patreon, which you will find at patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. And on the Patreon, you will find extended and uncensored and ad free versions of most of our podcast episodes. You can also find Sadie's writings about things like the handmaid's tale. So if you ever wanted to know what an actual cult survivor thinks of the handmaid's tale, you can give that a, a read. I've read it. It's fascinating. And I am currently watching season five. I didn't feel like I had anything to add after season four, but I am going to do a a recap of season five to kind of add on to that. Yeah. So if you want to read that, that'll be up uh, sometime in the near future. You can join our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus, where you can hang out and talk and share memes and share stories and share empathy with podcast fans with leaving eden fans same thing we have a subreddit which is reddit.com slash r slash eden exodus is there anything else i'm forgetting no i i think that is it for now i think we can thank our faith promise missions and i gave it all patrons and move on that sounds good so we have two count them two uno dos eins fi uh i gave it all to your patrons and they are Melissa Mosley and Kathleen Moncrief. Fantastic people. We love both of you. Um, we love all our patrons and we love all our listeners. But really, they are going above and beyond in a way that I honestly couldn't uh, fathom that anybody would. And we really appreciate both of you. And you guys are fantastic. We also have our Faith Promise Missions tier patrons. So many of you. We love, we love, we love all of you. We have Alex Todd, Allison MacArthur, Anisha Patel, Brittany, Brooke Tolly, Carrie R., Krissa, 
comedian big sexy who um your name i have been pronouncing it wrong i am very sorry about that it's justin bowman not bowman justin bowman great comedian look him up justin bowman we have crystal patterson we have dear ethan hansen the musical excited for that one uh when it's coming to off broadway near you eleanor donahue elizabeth deworth emery fairlosser my actual bff meg love you meg hannah ross jen kaharski jessica tambo jonna cat hedberg k Terwee, katherine schneider Kristen marie lauren vander wall linda morgan Lindsay goss lorena watson michaela upright madeline antrim madeline cusick marlena stuve mary martin uh the actor who played the actress who played uh peter pan on broadway megan arendt mike smith miranda day rachel bernadowitz rebecca hoyt reverend robert stutes sarah Reese, shane horton stephanie johnson Susie Tara McNamara. Actually, we haven't found out if that's uh, McNamara or, or or McNamara. I'm still but. absolutely convinced that it's McNamara because that's how everybody else I've ever known with that last name pronounces it. Interesting. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to say McNamara then. I'm going to take your word for it. The I lady told you rabbi. it's in a song. Yeah. The Lady Rabbi. I love uh, I love being followed by a rabbi. It makes me feel good. I um, love our interdenominational representation. That's true. We because do we have-, have Reverend Robert Suits. We have the Lady Rabbi. And so, one other person on our Faith Promise Missions uh, list that I'm aware of is a minister also. Yeah. And actually, we, we have like Baptist ministers who um, are, you know, who, who still call themselves fundamentalists um, who listen to our show. Well, fundamentalism in itself is not not 100% of the time toxic. It's not something that I personally agree with. But, you know, believing with all your heart in, in the fundamentals of the Christian faith is not necessarily toxic. Right. I'm thinking of it more in the way of like your dad still called himself a fundamentalist. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm thinking of it as somebody who's just like, yeah, I'm I'm like og fundamentalist we have tiffany ender b walnut son of walnut and west the cowboy thank you all so much like holy crap we love all of our patrons because the patrons are really the you know if we didn't have the financial support that we get from you guys we would not be able to justify the amount of of time and effort that we put into making this show uh it just wouldn't make sense for us financially so thank you so much for supporting us it's yeah, it's thank you so much incredible. to uh of course i i gave it all to your patrons and faith promise missions to your patrons but to everyone who supports us on patreon and everyone who just listens to the show even you know even if you're gonna listen to it on thursday or friday downloading it early in the week is supporting our show telling other people about our show is supporting our show um making sure you're subscribed leaving us a good review any of that is uh is support that that really goes a long way for us. Yeah, it really does. Thank you guys so much. Um, how do we want to start this? Um, because the, it's hard to talk about The Simpsons without just it's it's like a cultural institution at this point in in American culture in even the world. Right, it's, it, but it's a cultural institution that I had very little knowledge of growing up, and I want to explain how little I knew about it. <laughs> 
I heard so much negativity about The Simpsons. I heard growing up from preachers and speakers that it was an example of the downfall of American society and it was morally outrageous and um, rotting everyone's brains and so on and so forth. Kind of similar to what Barbara Bush had to say about The Simpsons. Right, because she said in an interview that it was the dumbest thing she'd ever seen. Right. And she was kind of echoing, I think, her husband's sentiments about it being the downfall of society. And then they ended up showing up on an episode of The Simpsons. uh, Well, Marge wrote a letter to Barbara Bush. Can I kind of can I read this? I kind of want to read it because it's one of my favorite parts of like Simpsons lore in general. Yeah, go for it. I'll spare you all my Marge impression, but I'll do I'll read this letter. (laughs) Dear First Lady. I recently read your criticism of my family. I was deeply hurt. Heaven knows we're far from perfect, and if truth be known, maybe just a wee bit short of normal. But as Dr. Seuss says, a person is a person. I tried to teach my children, Bart, Lisa, and even little Maggie, always to give somebody the benefit of the doubt and not talk badly about them, even if they're rich. It's hard to get them to understand this advice when the very first lady in the country calls us not only dumb, but the dumbest thing she ever saw. Ma'am, if we're the dumbest thing you ever saw, Washington must be a good deal different than what they teach me at the current events group at the church. I always believed in my heart that we had a great deal in common, each of us living our lives to serve an exceptional man. I hope there is some way out of this controversy. Controversy. I thought perhaps it would be a good start to just speak my mind with great respect, Marge Simpson. And Barbara Bush kind of took this to heart, didn't she? She... Yeah, she wrote Marge a letter back. It's really adorable, kind of apologizing. Um, uh, Barbara Bush writes back, Dear, Mar- Dear Marge, how kind of you to write. I'm glad you spoke your mind. I foolishly didn't know you had one. <laughs> and I didn't... <laughs> oh, that's a... Mm. And I, th- I just think this whole thing is is so adorable. It's one of my favorite parts of of the Simpsons universe. But I think that the Bush's criticism of The Simpsons may have really influenced the fundamentalist and IFB hatred of The Simpsons that I grew up with. Interesting. I think another thing that made The Simpsons a real no-go for IFB kids was the fact, was the perceived disrespect and (laughs) real disrespect of Homer in the series. So The Simpsons shows a family where the kids call their dad by his first name. There's no, they don't obey their parents right away. They don't, they often don't obey their parents at all. I remember the fundies being really up in arms about Homer's general treatment as a buffoon. So think about it from the patriarchal view. In the patriarchy, the dad is supposed to be respected and obeyed by everyone in the family. So portraying a dad on TV as dumb as everyone is going behind his back and going over his head. Marge is actually the smart and sensible one. All of that is extremely offensive to people who practice patriarchy. I didn't even think about that. That's a really fascinating insight. So growing up, we weren't allowed to play pranks on a dad. Even like not our dad, all dads were in charge of all children, kind of. And if a dad from the church said, hey, here's my car keys, go out to my car and get this thing for me, you did it. 
if a dad was like, hey, can you take my jacket and hang it up in the church closet, the hallway closet? You did it. There was there was kind of an, an expectation that all dads are in charge and you don't you don't play pranks on dads. If a dad has a pratfall, you're not supposed to laugh at, at a dad. So clearly The Simpsons doesn't <laughs> mesh with that ideology very well. So because of how much, uh, how strong the fundamentalist hatred for The Simpsons was, I actually had the impression that The Simpsons was adult animation, like BoJack Horseman or Archer or something. Because I had heard so much about like how raunchy and risque and edgy it was. So I met Jonathan. Uh, he's a huge Simpsons fan. It's like his comfort show. We watch it all the time in our house. And when I first met him, he was really stunned that I had never seen The Simpsons. So he's like, I'm going to show you The Simpsons. So I'm like, cool, let me get my adult beverage. Let me get some popcorn, some snacks. I'm going to watch this like super raunchy cartoon for adults. It's going to be like really edgy. And imagine my surprise when I found out that it's actually a family show. That's so funny. I really thought I was sitting down to like watch Archer or something. So what was the first episode that he showed you? I believe it was Marge versus the monorail. That's a great one. That's a a fantastic, especially for somebody like you who grew up with musical theater. Right. And then I had to explain to him what the music man was. And then I had to order the DVD for the music man so that I could show him where that came from. Wow. That's fantastic. So that's so I started watching the show when I was probably 11. My parents thought, okay, you're 11. You're probably old enough to start watching the show now. Oh, um, that's yeah. news to me because Chuck watches it. But I think the thing that, that makes The Simpsons really great is that there are definitely mature topics here and there, but it's done in this really beautiful, delicate way where the truly adult stuff is going to go over most kids' heads. Like, do I know what rhetorical is? Fantastic joke. Just... <laughs> <laughs> that's ah, one of my man. favorite it's not religion related but i had to put it in this episode somewhere even some of these episodes that we're talking about today um when i first saw them i did not have the cultural reference points about religion and about christianity especially to understand them i mean i you know i loved the show i thought it was hilarious i'm not joking when i say that before doing this podcast and if you go back to the early episodes and listen to me and how like little i know about anything before doing this podcast, 80% of everything I knew about Christianity came from watching The Simpsons. That doesn't surprise me. I guess I guess it's a good thing that The Simpsons is really not that far off. I think what The Simpsons is trying to show is a top-down view of American Christianity, like a bird's-eye view that isn't really skewed toward one denomination or another. And I think The Simpsons does a great job with that. And I really love that they portray a family of faith in a balanced way and in a funny way. They're gonna so there are little details that are maybe not representative of American Christianity as a whole. Like Reverend Lovejoy wears a robe to preach, and that's not going to apply to nearly everybody. But they hit this middle ground where most people who grew up Christian at all would be able to find things that they identify with in the Simpsons portrayal of religion. I think in a later episode, um, in the episode where Homer and Bart uh, dabble in Catholicism, I believe they they say that the denomination that they are, Reverend Lovejoy, is uh, from the Western branch of American Reform Presbyterianism. 
Right. So it's it's like an amalgamation of every Protestant denomination kind of together. So whatever they want them to be for a specific episode, they can kind of do that. Right. I just I think that they do that really well because there are they stick to the things that are pretty universal in American Protestantism. So there's about there's two main characters I want to say that are used to represent Christianity in the show, and those characters are Reverend Lovejoy and Ned Flanders. Uh, um, hate one, love the other. Which what do you think it? Which one do you think I hate, and which one do you think I love? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think you probably hate Reverend Lovejoy and you love Ned Flanders. That would be correct. Reverend Lovejoy has a tendency to be very austere and not particularly relatable. And Ned Flanders is kind of just a a very devout Christian who is always anxious about doing the wrong thing. And that, I think, is much more relatable. So there is one Lovejoy moment that I truly love. Usually I just hate when he's on screen, but there's one Lovejoy moment I truly love. What's that? (laughs) So the dynamic between these two characters is that Ned Flanders is like this overly religious, overly devout guy. And it's all coming from a place of of true intentions, like really good hearted intentions, but he way overdoes it. So he's constantly calling up Reverend Lovejoy at the church to ask him these theological questions. Is, Is it a sin? If my newspaper falls halfway in my yard and halfway in my neighbor's yard, is it a sin? Is it still my newspaper or is it stealing if I take it from the neighbor? (laughs) <laughs> uh, like he's always really really digging into the the details and reverend lovejoy is losing patience with him and that's kind of how their character dynamic works um so there there is a scene where um lovejoy is taking his dog on a walk and um he's walking past ned flanders lawn and Lovejoy kind of guides the dog over to the lawn to make sure it poops on Ned Flanders' lawn. And the line is, that's right, do your dirty, sinful business. <laughs> and then Flanders catches him, like, letting his dog poop on his lawn. And Lovejoy switches back over to, bad dog, bad dog, I condemn thee to hell. <laughs> and that one, that uh, one just always gets me. <laughs> That's a classic moment. That's a classic moment. Um, Lovejoy's wife, uh, uh, Helen Lovejoy, is uh, uh, a quintessential pearl clutcher. Like her catchphrase is, won't someone please think of the children? You know, Um, then he's also got a daughter named Jessica who shows up in a couple episodes voiced by Meryl Streep, of all people, and uh, who briefly dates Bart, but she is like too chaotic for Bart. So she ends up getting sent to like a convent boarding school, I think. Right. Right. I think that's right. Um, but yeah, uh, Ned Flanders, he's Homer's next door neighbor. He went to Bob Jones University. He uh, married Maud. Uh, they have two boys, Rod and Todd. And then Maud is killed by a, a t shirt cannons at a NASCAR race. It was actually a very horrible and sad episode. Uh, great episode, but very sad. And then there's there are a lot of story arcs after that about Flanders uh, being a single dad and, and dating and uh, doing different things after Maud dies. 
Uh, I also found out recently I was watching an older episode and it turns out that Flanders also has a degree from Oral Roberts University. So Ned has double Fundy College education. Just wow. so you know. Yeah. Fantastic. I do have to say, though, um, I guess we can't call Ned Flanders a Fundy because he owns multiple Bible translations and we do occasionally see him drink. So when we see these early episodes, there is three episodes I think that we were talking about early in the show. The first one is uh, Homer versus Lisa versus the Eighth Commandment, which is in the second season. We have Homer the Heretic, which is in the fourth season. And then we have Bart Sells His Soul, which is in the seventh season. In a lot of these early episodes, we see them as... The Simpsons are uh, the show itself is extremely moralistic. Did you was this jarring to you to to watch at that time? No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think I realized how that it was moralistic at all. You didn't. I grew up on Veggie Tales. That's a whole different level. And at, at the when I watch them now, I see a lot of these episodes as extremely moralistic. But at the time, this show was very edgy and. Traditionally, family sitcoms, conflicts were more about when a character makes the wrong decision for the right reasons rather than on The Simpsons where a character such as like Homer or Bart will be selfish or they'll be mean or they'll be immature and there's natural consequences. But also there's maybe a question that's posed about the way society functions or there's a philosophical question asked at the end of the episode. Yeah, you're you're saying moralistic like that's a bad thing. Does that take away from the show for you? Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. So like the first one um that that we have on our list which is called Homer versus Lisa versus the Eighth Commandment. It's an episode where so Homer gets an illegal cable hookup. Lisa's against this. Uh she she thinks it's stealing. She goes to Reverend Lovejoy about it. Marge is against it. Bart figures out that they have like a, a porno channel and he's charging his friends admission to to come see it. Um, Lisa goes to Reverend Lovejoy and Reverend Lovejoy is telling her that she's got to like start boycotting the the cable hookup or whatever and refusing to watch it. Homer has his friends come over to watch the fight like a, like a boxing match that he's the only one that has cable. So he's the only one that's watching it. And then halfway through the match, Homer realizes that stealing the cable is wrong because his family is uh has been so harmed by this decision and he uh lets the match finish and then he shuts it down and this one to me felt really maybe it's just a generational thing in 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 the early episodes it seems like the idea of breaking the law and committing because like stealing cable that's a victimless crime right you know what i'm saying right like like getting a free service from a mega corporation and not paying for it that's a victimless crime. Maybe this is just like a generational thing, but I think that it's kind of hilarious that in season two, the Simpsons is out here saying stealing from the cable company is wrong and you shouldn't do it. When in the year of our Lord, 2022 or um, 5783 in Jewish, if you ask somebody if they like their cable company, they're going to say, don't, no, don't, the cable company, their hidden fees, their termination fees. If you can get one over on them, do it. Yeah, I I see the like the thing that you're talking about, but counterpoint, I don't think this episode is about I don't think the I don't think this episode boils down to stealing cable is wrong. 
Interesting. What, I think what's this is take? an episode about like the feeling of guilt and what that does to a person. Because the Homer throughout the entire series, another thing that I that I really love about The Simpsons is that they have created these characters who so easily could be just one-dimensional characters because they have these extremely strong characteristics about them that don't change. And Homer is really gullible. He's um not very intelligent. He's not very, not a hard worker. He likes to take the easy way out anytime he possibly can. He loves his family deeply, but that doesn't necessarily inspire him to be proactive in taking care of his family. <laughs> and it, these are his character traits and they don't really change. But Homer uh decided to get this illegal cable hookup because he likes to take the easy way out whenever possible. But as his family started to have problems because of this illegal cable hookup, his he started to feel guilt. I think this episode is about that feeling of guilt because Lisa feels bad about it from the beginning because one of her character traits is that she has this really strong moral compass. Homer, that feeling of guilt builds up. I don't think I don't think it's supposed to be a moral like don't steal from the cable company. I think it's more of an exploration of of that feeling. Interesting. I, I and see that's one of the things that I like about this show is that two people can watch the same episode and take entirely different messages from it. I also don't typically try to ascribe a single meaning to a Simpsons episode. Like, I don't think there are a lot of episodes where the what it means or what it's about could be boiled down to one sentence. You know, I think that's fair. So that's it's really interesting that we're seeing it so differently. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, I was more thinking about it within the cultural context of the time. So this uh, so this episode was in season two, which would have been 1991, I think, 91 or 92. And if you think about what was going on in the country at the time, what the general cultural uh, uh, idea of the time was, at that time, cable TV was much more of a luxury than we see it as now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so like this having cable TV was very much shown on the show to be something that was like an extravagant expense that Homer would have loved to have because he could watch sports whenever he wanted. Whereas now it's just like, Oh, I figured out a way to get like 50 bucks off my cell phone plan by kind of scamming my telecom company. And nobody's really going to look the other way about that. Um, And that's sort of why I saw that because I think the cultural context of what cable tv is has kind of changed no that's a that's a good point i don't Um, know anything about i mean actual cable cable tv i have no context for it because it was so it was so so bad in the ifb that you know we had so we had a tv and we had bunny ears to get the news um but we didn't watch anything on broadcast tv until i was an older teenager ever other than the news and the weather and i watched um i watched mr rogers at my grandparents house when i was really really little so we didn't watch broadcast television because the commercials could be sinful so my parents didn't want us seeing like commercials for alcohol or commercials that had people dressed immodestly in them uh, or anything like that or commercials with rock music in it um inappropriate music in it so 
if we watched broadcast television, we had to mute the commercials so we wouldn't hear any bad music. And if a alcohol commercial came on, we had to turn it completely off. So I did not grow up watching very much broadcast television at all. Almost everything we watched was VHS tapes or later DVDs. So I knew that there was a thing called cable. And then later I babysat I babysat for people who had Dish Network and would watch like Disney Channel shows at their house and Ace of Cakes, which I've talked about. Hell yeah. <laughs> like Food Network, um, that sort of thing. So I like I don't know I don't have the context for cable television because I have just started watching actually live broadcast TV for the first time in my life in like the past 18 months or so other than like other than like what you could get on a leaf where you have like five channels for for me culturally I, I guess I'm trying to think what's the modern day equivalent of stealing a cable hookup I guess it's the equivalent of like do you feel guilty if you're sharing your Netflix password with like eight people yeah sharing a Netflix password or like leeching off your neighbor's Wi-Fi and never getting your own Wi-Fi right and that is something like that you'd never really if you do that no one's ever going to be like you shouldn't share Netflix passwords because that's stealing. But maybe the the moralistic thing, I want to move on to another episode in season four called Homer the Heretic, where because in this one, this is the one where Homer stops going to church um, and Marge doesn't like the fact that he doesn't go to church anymore. And so he sits uh, and he has a dream where he's talking to God and he and God's like, why have you forsaken my church? And he's like, why should I uh, spend my Sunday morning going somewhere to be told that I'm going to hell? You know, and God's like, oh, that's a good point. But the the Flanders does try to get him back and they play a song. Yes. And this is the the one thing that I absolutely had to talk about with this episode, because that's a song I grew up singing in church. Really? Yeah. So that's like a bona fide uh, evangelical Christians kid song. So when you woke, like when you saw this episode for the first time and he started playing the song, was it just like, was it triggering or was it hilarious to you? I feel like the first time it was triggering and then every time after that it was hilarious. There's another, like, several of the songs that the Flanders kids sing are songs I grew up with. There's a there's an uh, an episode where they sing, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. I think it is in Lisa's first word when Bart is staying with the Flanders while Marge is giving birth to Lisa. Um, but that's a song that I grew up with, too. And I think there's another one that the Flanders kids sing. And I'm like, oh, I know that song. Man. Also, the Flanders kids have, um, it's like a, a recurring gag where the Flanders kids have unreasonably specific Christian children's TV shows and <laughs> Christian um, board games. And all of that is <laughs> is so funny to me because I grew up with stuff like that. So like when when they're watching the TV show and they have like the lambs on the TV show, Talking about like being, I'm upset because I don't have a sin to confess. Well, you do yes. have a sin to confess the sin of jealousy. <laughs> yes, that is like a big patch the pirate energy. So it's authentic. Mm-hmm. The, the Flanders, the Flanders are authentic. Oh, um, extremely. 
I did, sorry for derailing your episode recap. I just had to talk about the Flanders kids, like songs and games and TV shows. No, it's it's great to actually have the uh, th- to actually have that detail added because that really makes me enjoy the show so much more that that they had that kind of accuracy put into it. In this episode, Homer stops going to church and he descends into previously unknown levels of hedonism, and then accidentally burns his house down with a cigar. And Krusty, Apu, and Flanders save him. And the 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 thing is, oh well, these are all people of faith because Krusty the clown is Jewish, Apu is Hindu, and Ned Flanders is Christian, and they all came together to save him. So clearly these are all the moral people in the world. And this is what his wife wants for him in his life, and maybe he should go back to church. And that was kind of the 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 take that I got from it. Yeah, and I think I'll give you this one being moralistic much more quickly than I will the last one. Because the moral of the story really does seem to be, I mean, you could take it as uh, go back to church, or I guess you could take it as like, don't rock the boat and upset your wife. So I am, is this the episode where Bart and Lisa are shopping for new church shoes? And there's the whole thing about the sandals? No, okay. I think that's a, a different episode. But do you want to talk about that bit? Yes, because it's <laughs> one of my favorite Simpsons religions quotes. So um, I hope I get this right. But Homer Homer and Marge have the kids out and they're shopping for new shoes for church. And one of the kids asks, why can't we just wear sandals to church? Jesus wore sandals. And Homer says something, something like, well, maybe if he had had better arch support, they wouldn't have caught him. <laughs> <laughs> which uh. <coughs> i think just illustrates the um very well the way that homer thinks about religion and um cracks me up every time that's yeah. all i mean that's kind of the way that i think about religion a lot of the time as well but yeah that's that's well you got your yeah. your christianity education from the simpsons and then a cult survivor so worth pointing out homer and i are both tauruses so it's, I mean, we, we do have some commonalities. <laughs> no, but the, the next one I want to move on to that I want to talk about is uh, one that as soon as we talked about doing a Simpsons episode, Sadie, you were like, we have to talk about this one. And I agree with you. And this one is about, is called Bart Sells His Soul. It's from season seven. And this one is really a classic. But I want to point to this one because I think this one is really the shifting point where the discussion of religion goes from being more moralistic to being more philosophical. How do you feel about that? And this is also just one of my top five favorite episodes. It's a fantastic episode. Um, I mean, it has the classic bit in the beginning where Bart gets in trouble in church because he puts the song In a Gata Davida by Iron Butterfly in uh, as, as the hymn that they're doing <laughs> right he changes it to in the garden of eden which actually if you know the words of, uh, uh, if you know the history of the song that was originally what the song was supposed to be but i think the singer was just to was so like on whatever he was on when he recorded it that it ended up coming out as in agata de vida instead or when they practice it and then they, they liked it better. So they just kept it. Uh, there is a there is a great little exchange between Marge and Homer. He kind of elbows her while the congregation singing and, and says, well, I remember when we, we when we used to make out to this hymn. And Marge is, is very like, stop it. <laughs> and I think that's that's really cute. 
going like you know it's like they're at a rock concert it's pretty right uh, um, and also also one of my favorite little visual gags um the organist gets finished playing this hymn and just looks so frazzled <laughs> like her her hair is like coming out of out of her bun and she's just uh <laughs> shaken by the experience well you were a accompanist for many a church service do you think this is accurate yes quite <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was an incident a couple of weeks back regarding one of Arch Radish's TikTok lives, um, where we were he and I were chatting back and forth about a certain hymn. Uh, it was "Wonderful Grace of Jesus" for those who are wondering, and it's got an extremely complicated bass line that tends to trip up all the fundy pianists. And this led to me making videos of myself playing this hymn to send to him so I could prove that I know how to play it. <laughs> Um, so, so, uh, yeah, I have my, my fundy piano street cred intact, Hell yeah! but, but Bart gets in, in trouble for, uh, replacing the hymn in church with a different song. And his punishment is, I think he's supposed to clean the organ pipes. Yeah. He and Milhouse get roped into it because Milhouse ratted on him and Reverend Lovejoy punished Bart for changing the hymn, but also punished Milhouse for snitching on oh, him. Oh, right. There's a whole, so there's a whole scene where Lovejoy has all the kids in the church uh, come into his office and, and is like uh, almost threatening them. Like you have to, somebody's got to confess. Or um, you'll all go to hell. Is what he, he has them say. I will go to, uh, if I don't say it, I will go to hell with all the single mothers and be burned together. Right. And this is one reason I hate Lovejoy. <laughs> but uh yeah, Millhouse rats on Bart and uh the two of them, their punishment is that they have to clean the pipes for the pipe organ to to wash out the the sinful music. And Bart then sells his soul to Millhouse because they get into an argument about whether or not souls exist and then Bart writes Bart Simpson's soul on a piece of paper, sells it to Milhouse for $5, then feels existentially tortured because he sold his soul to Milhouse. Well, at first he doesn't, like, he doesn't believe in souls, so he's not very concerned, but then weird things start happening to him. Uh, like, he tries to use an automatic door at the Quickie Mart, and the door doesn't open for him. And then he tries to breathe on the glass and, and like write a message on the glass of like a refrigerated case and the his breath doesn't show up. Right. So and then he starts to get worried that maybe something did happen when he sold his soul to Millhouse. Yeah. And then he's got to go and he's got to try to get it back from Millhouse. Millhouse won't sell it to him. Um, and he's just freaking out and he basically has to ride all the way across town to Milhouse's grandparents' house to try and get it back and Milhouse it turns out sold it to comic book guy and tra- traded it to comic book guy for pogs and he's got to go to the comic book store but it turns out that Lisa bought it from comic book guy and gave right. it back to Bart um, <laughs> so so Bart gets his soul back well, see, this is the question of the episode. Lisa says that Lisa recites to him a quote that a soul is that people aren't born with a soul, that a soul has to be earned. And that's what Bart did when he went and and uh, uh, struggled to try and get his soul back. And that's how the episode ends. And I love so. OK, <clears throat> so I was a Lisa Simpson as a child. Big surprise. That was very much my person my entire personality and i had a brother who was a bart (laughs) 
And um, I love how Lisa so often gets to be that voice of philosophy and or the the alternate way of looking at things. So Marge is very religious and Marge is Marge is always kind of she's compassionate, but she believes what she's been told and she's very traditional in her, the way she sees religion. And Lisa explores a lot of different world religions. I think later in the series, she converts to Buddhism and also becomes vegetarian, which is a great episode with Paul and Linda McCartney in it. And uh, Lisa is always exploring different ways of engaging with religion. There is one, uh, there's one episode. Hang on. I, I wrote down what episode it is. It's season 13, episode six. Uh, is one of the episodes about Lisa's journey through religion. And she says something to her mom, uh, to Marge about, well, yeah, I believe in God. I just don't really know who he or she is. Oh, I, I just think there's another path to him or her. And Marge freaks out and looks up at the sky and goes, <laughs> Mr. Lord, Mr. Lord, she's just kidding. She didn't mean that, Mr. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so Lisa gets to be this this alternative view of spirituality and philosophy, which I just adore. I think it's the cutest thing in the world. And I think coming from a kid, it makes it not too serious. I think if they had an adult character saying that, it would seem a little too preachy. But coming from Lisa, it's really cute. But this the Bart Sells His Soul episode is just consistently one of my favorites. But why do you why do you like it so much? There, I mean, there are so many cute moments in it. Like there are, there, there. It, I don't know. I think it's the for me, my favorite episodes um, are the full package. There are visual gags. There are verbal jokes. There is something that you couldn't do in live action or couldn't do as well in live action that merits this being a cartoon. And there's a heartfelt moment at the end. I think all of my all of my favorite episodes kind of follow that formula. It's everything is in everything that makes The Simpsons great to me is in this episode. You know, I think that's a great way of looking at it because I I think that really because at its best, I think that's really what the show is. And yeah, this is uh, this one definitely is a classic. This one definitely is one that you can go back to and you can say, yeah, they really did a good job with this one. That this one. You know, on the rewatch, there's just so many more things that jump out at you. But as we were talking about him earlier, uh, and you were talking about how much you hate him, what, what? So, what's your take on Reverend Lovejoy as a pastor? Okay, so Lovejoy, Lovejoy as a pastor of the church, or Lovejoy as a pastor of individuals? Let's do both. What, what's what's your take? Having grown up with somebody who I believe was truly one of the greatest pastors of an individual congregants that has ever been. Uh, I think Lovejoy, he does a good job of managing the church. He keeps up with the things that he's supposed to keep up with and the paperwork that he's supposed to do and, and making sure that things run smoothly. I think he's good at that side of it. I think he's so bad at the people side of it. He doesn't um, connect with the individual people in the congregation. He seems he seems really distant and holier than thou. And there's an episode in the eighth season called In In Marge We Trust, where they actually address this issue where 
they have they have the issue where where Lovejoy just isn't very relatable to the congregants. And the reality is because he met Ned Flanders and Ned Flanders just started asking him everything about anything all the time and he just got fed up with it. And so now he just doesn't do that anymore. So I guess we could also characterize Lovejoy as a pastor who's experiencing burnout. Interesting. Which might give him a little more of a sympathetic view. That's a that's an interesting take. Because we don't see we don't see Lovejoy having we see him leading music. So we don't you know see him having a music minister. We see him doing the church finances so he doesn't have an assistant to do that. I think he's he's kind of running the show by himself and he's dealing with Ned Flanders and I think I think what the show is trying to tell us is that Lovejoy is trying so hard to be righteous and Ned is just kind of a naturally righteous person from the heart. And I think what the show is trying to tell us is that Lovejoy is jealous of Ned Flanders because Lovejoy is trying so hard to be righteous all the time. And Ned Flanders seems like he's just righteous without even trying. Wow. That's something that I really haven't thought about at all. And that's a fantastic observation. That's my hot take. (laughs) You know, I really, that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy talking about this show with you. Um, So why don't we uh, take up the offering now and then we'll come back. We've got some some fun episodes that we're going to talk about in the second half of this. Uh, We're going to talk about the one where the Simpsons joined the cult. So that's going to be a really fun one. Um, We're going to talk about when the Simpsons join a cult and when Homer tries to predict the rapture. Yeah, that's going to be, uh, those are going to be really fun. Um, I can't wait to talk about those. Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, That group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So we are back from our break. We are talking about the Simpsons, all things Springfield, all things religion on the Simpsons. 
Well, not is- all things, because there's no way we'd ever get through that. We'd have to just start another podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we definitely would. Um, but I want to talk about an episode that I think we talked about this. Ep- this was like the one that we wanted to talk about when we first put this on the list was we were like, oh, we should talk about the Simpsons episode where they joined the cult, which is called the joy of sect. It's an episode from season nine. The Simpsons join a cult. I want to ask Sadie, how accurate do you think the cult brainwashing and deprogramming in this episode is? So this whole episode, obviously it's an entire story that's compressed into like a 22, 23 minute episode. And Getting brainwashed into a cult and deprogramming yourself from a cult takes a lot longer than they would be able to show in that time. But as far as the actual tactics that they show, extremely accurate. Really? Yes. So another hit for The Simpsons where they really just kind of get this. Absolutely. So Um, cool. Do you mind if I do the recap on this one? Oh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So... Uh, In this episode, Homer and Bart get accosted at the airport by a group called the Movementarians. The Movementarians. Uh, The Movementarians invite the family to a free retreat. And Homer's like thinking he's going to go fishing, but doesn't realize that this is a brainwashing retreat. Uh, Of course, the getting accosted in the airport is a definite send up of the Hare Krishnas. Although the uniforms on the movementarianisms more closely resemble Scientology uniforms. Here's a question. So they, they sucker Homer into this thing. If you're an, here's a question. If you're an IFB soul winner and you go door knocking and Homer Simpson answers the door, what are the chances that he's getting saved that day? I would say 100% because Homer will pretty much say yes to anything. But what if you tell him no TV and no beer? Because that makes him something something. <laughs> Damn it, you beat me to it. <laughs> Makes Homer something, something. Uh, if you, <laughs> you don't tell anybody no TV and no beer when you're out witnessing. That's a rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. You, you like, how do you think they would get any converts if they did that? Okay, so he's getting saved, but he's not joining the IFB. Right. So you go to somebody's door and you're like, Free ticket to heaven, no strings attached, say these magic words with me. And they're like, either like, no, that's bullshit, I'm not saying your magic words. Um, And you get like really butt hurt because you're like, why wouldn't you say the magic words to go to heaven? Are you possessed by the devil? Or they're like, sure, I'll say your magic words. And you're like, yes, another soul, one for God. And those are kind of the two outcomes. You don't tell people that there are, in fact, a lot of strings attached (laughs) So it's definitely, uh, I think, that he would get saved, but then you would invite him to church and he would be like, I'm not getting up that early on a Sunday morning because my church starts at 11, but you're telling me I have to be there at 830. I'm not doing that. That's what we saw in the episode when he didn't want to go to church. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. but Homer and Bart, they they get roped into this this free retreat. When is this retreat? It's How much is this retreat? It's free. When is it? It's Thursday. And how much is it? Um... While on this free retreat, the people who attended are like are invited to watch a movie and they're all like, great, free movie. 
It's a brainwashing movie about how the leader of the movementarians is creating a spaceship in the Forbidden Barn. And when the time has come, he will gather all his faithful people and they will fly off to a wonderful planet called Blistonia. And all you have to do is sign a 10 trillion year contract and promise to give every, give all your life savings to the leader. And, uh, you will get to go with him on this spaceship to Blistonia. So all of these people are sitting here watching this brainwashing movie and they're told that they are free to leave at any time. And most of the citizens of Springfield are in watching this, this movie. Of course they are. Right. Because this Springfield, they do everything together. <laughs> so. They're all watching this movie and they're told that they can leave at any time if they don't want to watch the rest of the movie. But whenever someone stands up to leave, a spotlight pops down on them from up in the rafters and they are asked uncomfortable questions about why they're leaving. And most people end up just kind of giving up and sitting back down to watch the rest of this brainwashing movie. And that was the moment when I thought, oh, this is going to be accurate. (laughs) So what happens if somebody, if if the IFB preacher and somebody, if they're giving a, a a sermon and somebody gets up and leaves in the middle of it and they're just like, this is don't. They will. So it's called. Um, I should probably TW this uh, for IFB preacher manipulation and public humiliation stuff. Um, but the the I it's called. There's a term for it in the IFB, and I have to remember. I believe the term that we used was getting called down. I'm going to have to have some people confirm that for me because it's been, obviously, I think about this unpleasant experience all the time, but I hadn't thought about what the term for it was in a, a really long time. So what is it? What What is this experience? So if you get called down, the preacher, you know how, um, if you've ever taken a CPR course, they tell you... Don't just if if you are the person providing aid to someone who's having a medical emergency in public, you don't just scream out someone call 911. You point to somebody and you're like, hey, you in the red shirt. Hey, you with the beard call 911. Yes. Like you assign jobs to specific people. So it's it's kind of the fundy version of that. So if the preacher knows your name, he will call you by name. He will order you to turn around and sit back down or he will quiz you about why you're leaving. Especially, and this happens more to children and teenagers than it does to adults. I've absolutely seen and heard of, like seen videos of and heard of it happening to adults, but it's much more common to be children or teens. But the pastor will uh, order you to sit back down or quiz you on why you're going out and put you under a lot of social pressure to either like, if you're leaving to go to the bathroom or something to like go and come right back, the pastor will... Um, I've seen it a lot with teenagers, the pastor giving a time limit, like go, okay, if you've really got to go to the bathroom, go. And if you're not back in 60 seconds, I'm going to send the deacons after you or something. Fundamentalism isn't the cult people. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's kind of, so, uh, you know, in my church growing up, we had a lot of people who were elderly or disabled and... Obviously, people like that would not get called down from the pulpit if they had to leave during a service. This is much more something in my church. I really only saw it happening to teenagers and young people, but I have seen a lot of videos of it happening. Like I've seen Jack Hiles doing this kind of public shaming to young mothers who brought their babies into the service. 
And you've heard me talk about this a bunch, remember? Yeah, I've heard clips of this. I've heard clips of him doing this. Yeah, because he would he would yell and yell about, put your babies in the nursery, don't bring them into the main service. Shut that baby up. Yeah. And then if someone did bring their baby into the church service and the baby cried, Jack Hiles would point and yell at the mom while she was taking the baby out. And he would say things like, oh, that baby is disrupting the spirit of God or whatever it was he was going to say. That baby has a demonic attachment. But does that like, I don't know if I've seen a video of Jack Hiles saying that. I wouldn't be surprised if he did because he also called a newborn a homewrecker. Um, he did. Are you aware of this? No, send me this video oh my immediately. God, Jack Hiles preached a past, I think it was a pastor school sermon where he preached a sermon titled The World's Biggest Home Wrecker or like the greatest home wrecker, something like that. Satan's greatest tool to wreck your home. And he preached this whole sermon about how this one thing will tear husbands and wives apart like nothing else and will ruin your ministry. Blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, we're going to bring out this home wrecker now. And out walks a lady from his church with a tiny newborn. And the whole sermon was about how, like, if you are nice to your kids at all, or if you make any accommodations for your children, it will destroy your life. And I think the newborn that he brought out, I am pretty sure that that person became a listener to our podcast. Wow. I am pretty sure I have seen their name in our podcast Facebook group. And I don't want to be the one like, hey... (laughs) Are you the homewrecker, baby? That's a great Twitter handle, though. Like, but if 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 I am correct and that is you, and you know that you are that baby, um, if 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 your what? mother wrote a very public letter defending Jack Hiles in the Battle of 1989, and you think you might be this baby, it was in the very early 90s, I believe. Uh, let me know. What? Because <laughs> I think I know who you are, but I don't know if you know, and I don't want to be the person to break it to you. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my God. Okay. So... So, this thing with the spotlight, like, it's very reminiscent of how IFB preachers will use social pressure to keep people in the pews. So if, say you were a teenager and you get up and you try to leave an IFB church and they say, and the the pastor's like, why are you leaving? Is God's message not uh, uh, getting through to you or uh, or something? I don't know what, it, what they would say. And the teenager just turns around and says, I think you're foolish. Is, is, that something that somebody would say or is that just like a would it get confrontational or would it get just like or or would they back down would it depend on the person okay that is only something that someone would say if they had been going through a very long process of trying to get rid of the ifb teachings so we're either talking about a excuse my language a very rebellious church kid in IFB terminology, the kind of kid who's who's already been through that SM Davis DVD series about three times. Or we're talking about a kid who is like does not belong in the IFB and has been forced to go there for whatever reason. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a kid whose parents are no longer together as a couple and they live with one parent most of the time, but they spend their summers with the other parent and the other parent is IFB and makes them go to church. But they spend nine months of the year with the with the same normal parent. So they're forced to go to this IFB church three months out of the year and they're not having it. 
So there are only very specific types of kid who would do that because the pressure to not rebel is so incredibly high for born and raised IFB kids that it is extremely rare for a born and raised IFB kid to publicly rebel like that. And before you would get to that point, you have probably gone through like the SM Davis um, protocol, which is extremely difficult to get through. And you've been at least threatened with being sent to a school like, um, again, trigger warning, but Agape boarding school or Hepzibah house. Like I always knew growing up, I was a good kid. I was a really sold out true believer IFB kid who really, really tried to to do everything I was supposed to do and and loved God and really believed in everything that the church was teaching me and was, you know, obviously <laughs> extremely close to my dad and had a great relationship with him. And even with all of that going for me, I knew that if I kissed a boy, I would get packed off to Hebs of a house. Like that threat of you will get sent to a physically abusive IFB boarding school where like sometimes children get extremely injured or even die because of the physical torture that they are put through. That threat was just as real for me being an extremely good kid who was extremely sold out as it was for any other kid. And speaking of these sorts of boarding schools, a uh, uh, Hepzibah house, and Agape Boarding School. We're actually going to have an episode coming pretty soon about the Agape Boarding School uh, because it's been in the news lately yeah. uh, for expected reasons. Yes. And uh, yeah. So we're, we're finally going to get to that. I told you it's going to be a scary Halloween. This high pressure tactic doesn't really work on Homer. Right. So so that's so that's the thing. Um, this the thing is that this kind of social pressure works on a lot of people. So you're talking about somebody like me who didn't really give any room to doubt throughout my teenage years, or you're talking about somebody who was unconvinced of the IFB way of life and wanted out from the time they were 13, 14 years old. This kind of social pressure and like public peer pressure works on both types of people, but it didn't work very well on Homer. (laughs) So Homer got love bombed. He got complimented, offered a free retreat, snookered into watching a free movie, and then Homer got hit with the social pressure, which is what I've talked about so many times with how people get into cults. Everyone watches this movie, and most people end up being brainwashed by this movie, but Homer, being Homer, wasn't paying very much attention, and he was making up his own movie in his head instead. So he did. He failed to be brainwashed by the movie. Much like many highly imaginative children survived IFB church services. <laughs> so Homer and the Simpson family do eventually join the movementarianism, the movementarians, uh, and go to live on the compound. Uh, the movementarians have to try extremely hard to brainwash Homer. They employ tactics that I've talked about a bunch of times, like wearing out their members and prospective members with manual labor, feeding them very poorly. They feed them only gruel. And most people are starving because they can't tolerate the gruel. But of course, Homer is perfectly happy and he's getting his calories in because he's just eating like 12 bowls of it. They finally do manage to brainwash Homer. And we see some more of the 
parallels between the movementarians and other cults. So they have husbands and wives sleep in bunk beds, which is a bit of a gentle call out of the Branch Davidians. Uh, they separate the kids from the parents, which is very like Warren Jeffs at LDS. Uh, and then they have a mass wedding, which I think is a Mooney's crack as well. Yeah. It's Barney and um, Otto <laughs> who are assigned to marry each other, which is really funny. No, and Skinner gets assigned to marry his mother. You could have done a lot worse than me, Seymour. <laughs> Comic book guy got uh, got like some actual like woman. Yeah, like actual just, like, attractive woman person. And he's just like, yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, all of these people are doing manual labor for the leader, picking lima beans in the fields. And they are told not to go into the Forbidden Barn because that is where the leader is building the spaceship that will take them all to the planet Blistonia, which, of course, is a reference to both Scientology and Heaven's Gate, which is another cult I'd like to cover, by the way. Yeah, I'd love to. It's a Heaven's Gate. I, yeah, I would be super. And I want to. That's another one of the ones that, like Branch Davidians where a lot of people died and I'm not going to cover it unless I feel like I can be comprehensive and respectful of that. But it's super fascinating to me. Um, more cult stuff. Bart and Lisa go to school on the cult compound, which definitely brings a lot of images to mind for me. Uh, Lisa is really frustrated because the leader is the answer to every question in school. So it's who invented the telegraph? The leader. <laughs> what is the center of the universe? The leader. Uh, it really makes me laugh because I was raised in school with the phrase, Jesus is the answer to every question. But we were not allowed to, like, if we didn't know the answer on a test, we were not allowed to just write Jesus. Um, so this is kind of an inversion of that. Maggie is brainwashed by a person in a Barney costume singing uh, songs about the leader to the little babies, <laughs> which, uh, boy, is that accurate. You know, the only person that we don't get to see how they get brainwashed is Bart. Bart goes, he's going to pull some pranks, and then next thing you know, he's in. Well, Bart's so pretty impressionable. But anyway, I, I was just thinking that it should have been we love you, leader. Oh, yes, we do. We don't love anyone. <laughs> yeah, with the we love you, preacher. Right. Uh, yeah. So Marge is the only family member who is not fully brainwashed. She escapes the compound and enlists the helps, the help of Lovejoy and groundskeeper Willie <laughs> to help save her family, who are apparently two of the only non-brainwashed, and Ned Flanders, who are some of the only non-brainwashed people in left in Springfield. Bart and Lisa, so they kidnap Homer, Bart, Lisa, and Maggie from the cult compound, and Bart and Lisa and Maggie are pretty easily deprogrammed by offering them hover bikes, um, which turn out to actually just be regular bikes that were being held up by wires, but they don't really mind. <laughs> and then Homer is deprogrammed by beer. Like, they can't get him to renounce the movementarians, but then Flanders offers him a beer, and as soon as a drop of beer touches his tongue, he becomes deprogrammed. But then... <laughs> it's like getting saved. As soon as the, the drop of beer touches your tongue, you're unsaved. 
or you lose the Holy Spirit. That's the it's it's like a right. reverse. I keep that. telling you in the, in IFB world, once you are saved, it's done. You now you right. have to sit around and worry about if you really are saved and if it really did work right. But once you're sure that it worked right, you're good. You're done, no matter what you do. But you can lose the Holy Spirit and God's blessing and God's favor and a whole lot of other stuff. Deprogramming and deconstruction obviously is not a process that happens in five minutes, but also the family wasn't involved very long, so I'll give them grace on that because it makes more sense than if they had been in it long term. Anyway, just as Homer gets deprogrammed, he gets kidnapped by the movementarians and taken back to the compound. When he gets there, he throws open the doors to the forbidden barn, but to everyone's surprise, there really is a spaceship in there. The spaceship takes off and you hear the voice of the leader like, you have all shown yourself to have no faith. You will not get to join me on Blistonia. But as the spaceship takes off, it falls apart and it's revealed that it's just the leader on like a little one person hovercraft thing leaving with everyone's money. So everyone is unbrainwashed and no one ever speaks of it again. Under penalty of torture. We don't talk about that episode. That, that episode a, never happened. That episode was hilarious. I People hate that episode for some reason. I found it hilarious. One common theme that I see happening on The Simpsons is that whenever there is a character acting fraudulently and they get exposed, the townspeople of Springfield immediately turn their back on the character. So when the leader gets exposed, everyone leaves the cult. Or when Sideshow Bob admits to election fraud, the people turn their back on him. I think in real life, maybe this isn't accurate. I mean, like we know Jack Scott, he still has people who love him and will back him. Uh, David Koresh still has remaining supporters for God knows what reason, but like people who were in Branch Davidians and after everything went down at the compound, they still believe that David Koresh was the second coming of Jesus. I guess that's the least accurate part of the episode but like i said before we started talking about this whole episode it's a it's a cartoon version where brainwashing happens <coughs> in a few hours and deconstruction happens in a few hours i do want to point out the brainwashing methods though extremely accurate so i have no beef with the simpsons for portraying it in this compressed timeline because i think it's showing the brainwashing methods accurately is much more important if you have to fit the whole story into a short episode. So on a cult accuracy scale, we're going one to 10 here. Where would you put this episode? I'm going to say a 7.5. That's a really good score on it. Yeah. So if like five is average, five is some so 7.5 is like three quarters of it is accurate. Yeah. That's really good considering it's TV mm -hmm. um, and a cartoon. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that a cartoon is going to do a job of this better than like a live action would because, you know, you can. Right. I, I heard an interview with a showrunner from The Simpsons, and I think it was David Merkin who directed actually who did direct this episode. I think that's who was on the interview that I heard. But whoever it was on the podcast episode that I heard they were talking about wanting to do something in every Simpsons episode that warrants it being a cartoon. Like, do something that you couldn't do in a live-action TV show at the time when this was made. And in this episode, one of the obvious things would be uh, having the spaceship take off and then fly and then fall apart in the air. But the the whole... <clears throat> and, and I think Conan O'Brien has said this in interviews about The Simpsons as well. 
that one of the key parts of their um, writing guide for episodes is that they always want to do something that it, that you could only do in a cartoon. I think they this episode just balances that so well. And my final thought, I think, is that they don't show people who joined a cult as, oh, you joined a cult because you're stupid. I think they they show a a broad uh, sample of Springfield citizens. Dr. Hibbard is is in this. Um, it's not, oh, only stupid people join a cult or only desperate people join a cult. It's It's shown much more accurately as, well, this is something that almost anybody could be sucked into. Yeah. That's I think that's really that's really a, a good place to to finish talking about that episode on is unless there's anything else you want to say about it. No, I just oh. I found it uh sensitive and validating which I think is is super important. I don't want to watch cult material that invalidates my experience. So we're going to jump forward a couple years uh, to Simpsons season 16. So if you're a Simpsons purist and refuse to watch anything past season 10 or season 12 or season whatever, uh, turn the show off now because we're going to be no. talking about episodes that you um, keep listening to us because you love us. <laughs> I mean, you could keep li- I mean, they've already listened to we still get the ad revenue either way. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm joking. Um but what we're talking about it uh, matters for my ego <laughs> coffee um, yeah we were talking about Sim- uh, Simpsons season 16 there was a lot of episodes about religion in Simpsons season 16 I think there was three of them actually um but the these ran from this season ran from 2004 to 2005 and I think it had to do with the reason why there were so many of them that was a big election year. George Bush was running and the religion versus science debate was very in vogue. You know, like that that is a binary, like I believe religion. No, I believe science. It was very much in vogue, much more so than it is today, I think, because you had also at the time of like the whole intelligent design controversy was very much something that people were talking about. Um uh, the next episode that and I think this is the last one that we're going to talk about today, but this was a big one for me. This is uh, this one's called Thank God It's Doomsday. It's from season 16, season 16, episode nine. Um, but in this episode, Homer sees a like a Kurt Cameron movie about the the rapture. And the, then- the movie is called in on The Simpsons. The movie is called uh, Left Below. It's a direct parody of the Left Behind movies. Okay, I see. I didn't get that culturally. I'd never heard oh, of it. Oh, Gavi, you're killing me. <laughs> so no, like I, I, I'm I'm going to kill you again right now, but not like uh they they're gonna kill you after the rapture because you're gonna be left below. Um, I did not know what the rapture was until I saw this episode. I had no idea, and I was really confused. Like. Oh my God. I had to pick it up that this was something that Christians believe because I just <laughs> like I I had no cultural context for this and none of the people around me when I was growing up were that kind of Christian that would be talking about the rapture happening. It was just uh. I had no idea what the rapture was until I watched the Simpsons episode in 2005 when I was like 11 or 12 or, or yeah, it was early 2005 so I would have been 12 or 11. I would have been 11. Yeah, I had no idea. That's that's crazy to me. I had extended rapture anxiety and detailed plans in case I got left behind by that age. That's amazing. 
and also that like terrible also but considered like making videotapes of myself talking and sending them to family and friends who were not ifb in case they got left behind that would like instruct them on how to get through it also like an instructional set like you know what? If you're a Christian content creator, this is a great idea that you you make a bunch of YouTube videos. They already, like, this is already a thing. Wait, for real? Yes. So they make YouTube videos where if you get left behind, you can click, what do, I've been left behind in the rapture. What do I do now? And then you watch the video and it'll tell you how you can make sure you end up in heaven and you don't get killed by uh, the, the one world government or the... Um, so the I, just, I just typed in... Um, hold on, let me mute this. I just typed into YouTube, I got left behind, what do I do? And I found a video <laughs> called What to Do If You're Left Behind. Who makes it? Who, who's made this video? Who, wh- this one is by King is Coming Channel. How many views does it have? 11,003. Damn. Okay, so 11,000 people, not, uh, they're, they're doing all right. They're going to be fine when the, the rapture happens. No, but I had no idea what the rapture was, but uh, Homer goes and watch this left behind video uh, or this left behind movie. And then he starts deciding that he's going to predict the rapture. And then he unsuccessfully predicts the rapture, but then realizes that there's 13 people at the last supper because he forgot to include Jesus and real. And then realizes that the rapture is coming goes to the place where he's supposed to go to, to get raptured up into heaven and successfully predicts the rapture and talks to God and convinces God to put the rapture off for a couple of years. Right. So, okay. So I want to talk about a couple things from this episode. The first one is his math that he's using to predict the rapture is extremely funny to me because it looks just like everybody that I ever knew who was low key trying to predict the rapture. So the IFB have some specific beliefs. They believe that no one knows when the rapture is going to be. And I think some people on TikTok have kind of been chatting about this. They would get up every morning and look in the mirror and like full conviction be like the rapture is going to be today. And that was basically to make sure it didn't happen that day. Because, yeah, the IFB belief is like if you predict a certain date and time, then it cannot happen that date and time because it has to come at a time when no one on Earth is currently expecting it at that moment. So if you think. No way. Yeah. So if you think, okay, it's going to be at noon tomorrow, then you can go about your day tomorrow knowing for sure that if it does happen tomorrow, at least it won't be at noon. So then you can also get a big group of your friends together and each of you will predict a time throughout the day. So I'll predict it's going to be between 7 and 8 a.m. tomorrow. And then you predict it's going to be between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. tomorrow. And then the next person will predict between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. And then we're safe. We got at least until 10 a.m. and it won't happen tomorrow. Wait, is this are, are, are were people actually doing this? Yes. Like for real, for real, for real. Did you ever do this? Yes, of course. I was a highly anxious child who believed everything I was told. Of course I did this. <laughs> Why do you think that like when I saw a psychologist for the first time, uh, he told me that he believed that I had had clinical anxiety for most of my childhood. <laughs> This is, I mean, like, no why argument, do you think that? But, um, ah! so yeah, but, but even with all of that that I've just told you, the IFB did occasionally still have people try to predict the rapture. 
uh, people would do crazy math. Uh, my Sunday school teacher at one point <laughs> when I was a kid uh, had done some very intense math. And I think she came up with like 2022 or 2023. 2022 is almost over. But yeah, this is this is this is a whole thing. People do a lot of numerology, and the way that he did that was really funny to me. The other like IFB point that I had from this episode is when Homer gets to heaven, the angel like shows him what channel on the TV to push to look in on his family on Earth, and that's how he sees that like things are going real bad for his family, and that's when he goes to talk to God to ask him to put off the rapture a few more years. Like, turn back time and put it off a few years. This is a truly bonkers revelation. Well, I just wanted to point out that the IFB does not believe that people who are in heaven can see people who are on earth or in... People who are in heaven cannot see people who are in hell. So, But they can see people who are on earth. So I guess technically Homer would have been able to see his family. So The Simpsons has a IFB accurate depiction of heaven. Yeah, you know, there's bits of it. So, but as far as this episode goes, so, I mean, and and Hiles Anderson had a class on how to predict things using biblical numerology, didn't they? They had, you told me that they did. They had a class on how to prophesy. I no, I think they had a class about prophecies. Oh, okay. And then also in the IFB, women are not, not allowed to make prophecies. So if there if it's a class about prophecies, women wait. So if if you're a woman, could you take that class, or was that class men only? I'm pretty sure it was men only. So they must have been making prophecies in the class. I don't think so. Just a lot of Bible classes were not for women. Huh. I'm just trying to think. I would about, have like, to if- check my course catalog. I'm really hazy on this. I just um. I, yeah, I'm really hazy on like what was men only and and what wasn't at Hiles Anderson. And part of that is because a lot of it changed while I was there. Like, I think women were allowed to take Greek for the first time while I was there or the year after I left. So a lot of things were changing in that, like, just post-scop time. And it's really hard, especially with the concussion that I had while I was there. <laughs> it's really hard for me to keep the timeline straight. You know what I'm reminded of when I think about the the prophecy class is I'm reminded of divination in Harry Potter, where they're just like, oh, you have... Uh, these predictions do next week and you have to make them up and you have to justify them. <laughs> that's man. Yeah. So the IFB, like they're in this weird place where like they don't believe in numerology, but also they really heavily believe in numerology. So they'll like say that they don't believe in it. And then they'll preach an entire sermon on numerology. It's kind of bonkers. That's kind of, and also like women aren't allowed to make prophecies, but my Sunday school teacher did because there were parts of like the IFB world that she just did not care about. Um, and people in my church like accepted her prophecy, but also they don't believe that you can predict the rapture, but they let her try to predict the rapture. So you're saying that the fact that Homer predicted the rapture means for sure that it didn't happen. Yes. Good to know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's, um, that's kind of it for this episode. Uh, there weren't any other episodes. There was a few episodes that we wanted to talk about, but we just kind of r- ran out of time for them. But these are the main ones that I think we hit there. Um, yeah. There are so many that are about religion. Um, but I, we hit the ones that I like the most. So I think that's, what's most important here. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, anyway, uh, 
that's kind of do you have any closing thoughts about this about the simpsons and about their portrayal of religion and, and christianity especially on the simpsons uh with regards to your experience i just i i really like the way that they tend to portray religion uh i think it's very sensitive and i i enjoy it because i think it's portrayed in in a realistic way as well so it's not a horrible thing that I learned everything that I know about Christianity before doing this podcast from uh, watching The Simpsons. No, absolutely not. It's, it's a good primer. Well, that's good to know. Um, it it is kind of just a good primer for every for a lot of events because I guess a lot of smart people write write this show and work on this show. Um, anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, I, I just I guess I got to say, don't have a cow man, but. <laughs> You know, uh, if you like our show, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Leaving Eden Podcast on Twitter at Leaving Eden Pod. And if you don't like our show, you can eat our shorts. If you want to join our Patreon, there is an extended and uncensored and ad free version of this episode that is available at patreon.com slash Leaving Eden Podcast. So go there and check it out. It'll be good. Hope that you guys like that. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus, and you can share your favorite Simpsons episode or your favorite portrayal of religion on The Simpsons or on TV in general. Um, you can do that there, or you can do that in our subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. Sadie, do you want to plug your social media? Sure. You can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music, on Twitter at Hell Yes Sadie, or on TikTok at Sadie Carpenter One. And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You guys have a great day. Bye-bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.